opinions presented on the Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Hello out there. Well, there, folks, I guess I've mistuned what's coming on up for the show today, and we're going to be dealing with microbing. Oops. I'm going to have to have the doc give us the correct pronunciation of that. I always <laughs> mess it on up. But I'm going to turn the show on over to you, Doc, and happy Halloween to you. Thank you, Bill. Happy Halloween to you. Yes, um, I uh, got y'all excited about those guests that will be coming. I'm still you working did. with them to figure out when in their schedules we will be able to do it and still lining up some others. So we're going to have some really good, uh, fun interviews here coming up. But right today, we're going to talk about the microbiome, the groups of uh, organisms that live with us, on us, in us, and around us. And I think that will be a, 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 an interesting topic because most people think of it as, um, uh, you know, bacteria as invaders, bacteria as, as infections and viruses too and fungi and uh, parasites even. They're, they're all part of our environment. We've lived with them for millions of years and we've learned to actually coexist with some of them and, and, and found benefit, great benefit in many. So... The microbiome, that's M-I-C-R-O-B-I-O-M-E. It's not microbial, it's not microbe, it's a biome, meaning it's a large thing. Um, you have a genome. There's lots of information in a genome. All of your genetic information is your genome, all the DNA. And the microbiome is all the organisms that live on and around us. So uh, in, in a particular environment, um, anywhere on the body or anywhere in the body. And so we have a vast army of microbes that um, actually really are our friends. They are our um, uh, allies in this journey through life. And so they do some really interesting things for us. Um, you know, they'll help with breaking down a food and producing vitamins and producing neurotransmitters. The combined genetic material of the microorganisms is as important as the human genome because there's actually more genetic material just in our gut than there is in the rest of our body because there are so many microbes living with us. And so um, today, uh, as we get into this, <clears throat> I would entertain questions regarding bacteria funguses, yeasts, viruses, things that live with us and how they work with us, parasites even, um, from you know skin infections and, and skin problems to gut problems, bloat and indigestion and things like that, uh, colitis, um, the, the gamut. Um, it's not just the gastrointestinal microbiome that's important. So the uh, microbiome, as I said, is a collection of all the microbes, bacteria, fungi, viruses, and all their genes. And the numerous range of environments that we provide allows for different ecosystems in which different bacteria can thrive, survive, and help us. Okay. And the different bacteria have different qualities depending on where they're located. And so 
you know, there are many areas that have different kinds of environments. You know, a head with hair on it is a different, different from a head without hair on it. Bald skin is different from furry skin. Microbes can cling to the hair. So you get a different group of them. And behind the ears, there's extra uh, uh, oil glands, extra sebaceous glands. So you get these oils that the uh, uh, critters like to eat. So they'll actually have a different group living on that surface. You have the area around the nose and mouth. Well, you know, we touch that area a lot. So those have a lot of transient bacteria, but there's still a group of bacteria that tend to like to live around the nose and mouth. But then there's also the ones that live in the mouth between your teeth, peptostreptococcus and other things like that. In the stomach, we also have another whole group because the acid in the stomach is a completely different environment. And so um, many bacteria don't like to stay there, but some can actually get through and Helicobacter pylori is one of those. It may actually be a cause for ulcers. We know it's associated um, and it does seem to show up in people, but it's also associated with a predisposition in the people to actually develop the ulcers um, because not everybody with Helicobacter pylori gets ulcers. In fact, 50% of the population may be colonized with it at any one time. So um, there's also different uh, uh, colonies, a different microbiome in the small intestine. And there's also a completely different one in the colon. And there's different microbiomes on the female and male urogenital areas and on the hands, on the feet, in the armpits, in the center of the chest, on the areolas of the nipples where babies suckle and get some of their microbiome. You know, uh, we do get our microbiome from... Um, the initial microbiome is supposed to be delivered as we travel through the vaginal canal. The baby spends a lot of time in there and the, all the skin there gets um, uh, covered with the bacteria of the vaginal canal. And that's supposed to be lactobacillus and many other um, beneficial bacteria, uh, bifidobacter and things like that, sometimes E. coli is there. These are all things that live in our body normally. And the, there is some evidence that if the baby doesn't get exposed through the vaginal canal, they actually end up getting hospital bacteria as their original microbiome. Staph and strep, um, pseudomonas, um, Klebsiella, all kinds of weird bugs that you don't really don't want in your uh, initial microbiome. One way we can prevent that is by soaking some sterile cotton gauze in saline and putting it in the vagina prior to a delivery. If it happens to be a C-section, then we can wipe down all of the skin of the baby with this microbiome that mom had so nicely provided. I think we might have a caller. Actually, we've got two, and in my haste to get the show started, I neglected to give on out the phone number, so I'm going to remind folks that you're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. And we're excited to have you participate on this Halloween day by calling 813 813- Two three nine nine six six three, or continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. And our first caller is uh, Anonymous. Good morning, Anonymous. Good morning. Hi there. Uh, hi, Dr. Fred. I wanted to ask you uh, what causes this how does it affect the body? I can't pronounce it, but I'm going to spell it for you, okay? Mm-hmm. It's S-C-L-E-R 
S-C-L-E-R-O-D-E-R-M-A. So that's scleroderma. Scleroderma is an autoimmune disease. And scleroderma actually causes your skin tissue, um, both your wet skin, like in your um, linings of your, of your um, eyes, mouth, nose, colon, etc. Um, and also your external skin. You can get really thick, glossy skin on your fingers. Autoimmune disease is often triggered by imbalances in the microbiome. And so that would be one area of concern that I would look at. When you have an autoimmune illness, you should really consider getting an advanced stool test so you can find out what trigger organisms might be living in your gut. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. And that was fast, so I'm going to do it again. I'm going to give on out the phone number and invite people to participate. Give us a call. We're looking forward to you. Greg's in the control room waiting. The number is 813-239-9663. And the email address is dj at wmnf.org. Back to you there, Dr. Harvey. So um, research has showed us over the last decade or two that the bacterial population of the microbiome, especially the gut microbiome, the reason the gut microbiome is so important is that it actually has an interface with 60 to 70% of our immune system. And so it can trigger a lot of change in our body by alerting the immune system. And um, so it can also, if it's an upset microbiome, can damage the lining of the gut, which allows more inflammation to occur. And so um, it's, it's through these mechanisms that we end up getting um, the risk or the triggering of potential disorders. So some of the things that actually are associated, asthma, the autistic spectrum disorders, cancer, celiac disease, diabetes, eczema, heart disease, malnutrition, multiple sclerosis, obesity, other autoimmune diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, and ulcerative colitis are all triggered by changes in microbiome. And so the things that the microbiome can do for us um, is, is really wide. Um, so in our, in our mouth, it starts to help digest food. The bacteria mix with the food and start to do the process of digestion. Um, as it mixes also with our saliva and amylases in there, sugars break down or starch breaks down into sugar. The microbiome can start to ferment the sugar. That's one of the reasons we want to get the sugar and starch out of our mouth before we go to bed because we can have you know, eight hours of, of acid producing bacteria etching holes in our teeth overnight. So they can be damaging too, if we don't take care of ourselves. So the normal um, skin microbiome actually helps prevent infection from bad actors. Um, you can have um, problems with the um, uh, microbiome. It would get upset and then you can stimulate um, more uh, uh, issues like skin infections. Like if you have um, 
uh, contact with methicillin-resistant Staph aureus, that nasty bug that you've probably heard about, one of those flesh-eating bugs. Well, it's not going to get into you if you have a good, strong microbial defense on your skin because your, your friendly bacteria will basically fight that thing off. And so one of the things we want to do is not kill off our microbiome all the time on our skin um, with toxic chemicals like the things that show up in deodorant soap and in deodorant itself. Um, the chlorines and aluminums and uh, 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 septophil and heptachlor and these things that are in these uh, skin cleansers destroy the microbiome and set us up for invasion from other bacteria. So we really want to take care of our skin, probably not use harsh soaps on it um, more than once a week if we want to do that and just use mild soaps instead because you don't need those things. That's a that's a, a fallacy of the Western cosmetics world where you can't smell like a human. You must smell like some weird artificial fragrance and have your own normal fragrance suppressed by killing all the bacteria that would normally produce your fragrance. It's kind of sick. Um, so it's something worth considering getting rid of. We have callers again. Actually, we've got a slew. I've got um, Larry and George and Bill and somebody ringing in right now. But if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. And his topic today is microbiome. And you are invited to participate by calling 813-239-9663. Let's go to Larry. Good morning, Larry. Hey, good morning, Doc. I wanted to give you a success story. Oh, yes. Let's hear it. Well, I, I had got a bacterial infection on the back of my leg from a bug bite. And uh, they, they had to put me on a heavy-duty oral antibiotic that wiped out about everything on my body. And um, That'll happen. <laughs> the, floor, the floor inside my stomach and my intestines. And, you know, I was talking to the doctor, and I said, look, I got eczema, I got psoriasis, my hands are cracking, my feet are cracking. I mean, terrible. It was hard to walk. It was hard to grab anything. My hands would mm -hmm. bleed. And, yeah. um, and you had talked about this before on the radio and I, and I started putting things together. So a little research, I started every morning, I started eating a couple spoonfuls of sauerkraut, two spoonfuls of plain yogurt. And that was pretty much my breakfast along with some green tea. And I cut out all of my, uh, processed foods except for perhaps condiments, but everything else. And I've been on organic since the eighties anyway. Mm -hmm. And I have no more cracks on my hands, no more cracks on my feet, no more eczema on my legs. And uh, it took about, I'd say it took six weeks for it to start getting a little bit better. And uh, it made a big difference. You know, you were talking before about fermented foods and to eat yes. them. So that's why I did the sauerkraut. And Excellent. So right now, hey, it's 61. I've got none of those issues. And, um, oh, the other thing I cut out, and I don't know, I, I cut out bananas, too, in the beginning, and that seemed to help a little bit. I don't okay. know what it was about the banana, but it's, hey, I, my hands are perfect, my feet are perfect, and that the skin on my legs where I had the dried patch, and it, it's all gone. So I, I've stuck with that. And also, I cut out 90% of my beer consumption. Ah. Too. So yes, think about that occasionally, one. Occasionally, if I have a stomach, a little stomach ache, sometimes a beer will settle it. So I will have a beer then. But 
generally speaking now, no more couple beers every day, not even any through the week, just if I if I need one. That's but, good. Yeah, hey, hey, if I'd have been if I went to a regular doctor, I'd still be on medication. You know, so you'd, I'm you'd be on steroid creams forever. Right. And this it just you just had to stick with the diet and that was the most important aspect. You know, no more cookies. All that junk you eat, just get rid of it. It took a while, but hey, six weeks, seven weeks. You know, when I say splits on my hands, it splits so bad I couldn't grab anything. It would bleed. It would actually bleed. Wow. Yeah. So all gone. That's now. terrible. Good. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. But Congratulations. Glad to hear a great all story. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Doc. Always love hearing a great success story, and glad for that for Larry. Uh, George, she's been waiting patiently. Good morning, George. What you got? Hello. Hey, do you guys remember, um, I don't know, a couple of years ago in, in the news, the right-wing media was trolling celebrities that supposedly didn't take a shower? Do you remember that? In yes, the story? yes. Well, the idiots in the news, they didn't, they thought it was... Uh, some garbage. What it was was what you said. Those yes. celebrities, they bathe. They just don't want to use chemicals and scrub the crap out of their skin. That's what they meant right. by that. Exactly. But the, but the media, you know, knows that most people are so stupid. They just think, oh, shower equals clean. Shower does not equal clean. Clean is not, am I right? Clean is not what it's portrayed in the bleach commercials, right? Correct, correct. The, that, the, the, the advertisers are telling us in non-reality. Um, there is uh, what's called the hygiene theory of illness. Um, it does hold some water. Um, what this means is that we are too clean, so we get more inflammatory illness. Our immune systems are not trained by challenges from the uh, uh, environmental microbiome often enough to develop a stand down posture. You know, our immune system, its job is to stand up only about 0.5% of the time. It needs to stand down and stay on standby for long periods of time. But autoimmune disease is the evidence that we're dysregulated. And there's a really interesting study that was done looking at parasites and the incidence of Alzheimer's disease. And it was a global study. And they looked at countries across the world. And what they found out was that first world countries with low amounts of parasites had much more Alzheimer's disease than third world countries that have many, many parasites. Yeah. It is not, it's not causative, but it's an interesting correlation, right? Adaptability. Yes. That's and, and it. You know, the, the way I look at it is, you know, you have your gut biome and your skin biome and your whole genetic uh disposition none of us can control that and and it's hard for someone like you to explain it when you see a guy who smokes and drinks like a you know he's smoking like a chimney and he lives to be 75 another guy does everything correct and he's dead at 60 the way i look at it is you don't know your biomes so right you know, you should only, you know, you're gambling. You know, you should only take it, keep that in mind. But most people are just oblivious and they just eat whatever they eat and do, you know, they just don't even think about any of it. Uh, right, I, I right. Look at it, I kind of look at it as like a health checking account. I can't write checks if there's no money in the bank. Dude, I love so that. I, health so, checking so, account. Uh, yeah, yeah. You want to make deposits because you know on, the, on Friday night you're going to make withdrawals. You know you are. 
so you want to eat broccoli and eat that eat those little horrible cans of VH juice and do good stuff during the week, you know, you're making deposits. And then on the weekend, when you're making withdrawals, you know, it's kind of a balance because nobody's mm -hmm. perfect. That's I right. Just to, I just wanted to put that out there. Health checking account. I love it. Thank you, George. Great point. Yep. Yeah, a very succinct way of play, play, putting it together. And um, I like that. I've got uh, Bill. Another good name out there. Hey, Bill, what have you got for us today? Hey, good morning, Dr. Harvey. Good day. Hey, good day. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to know if you could talk to us about how antibiotics impact on the microbiome because we know we start out with a pretty good array of species, and as we go through life, the quantity and the quality of those species gets impacted, and in, particularly by things like uh, antibiotics, which we have to take sometimes. I was wondering if you could kind of help guide us on and when we do have to take antibiotics, is there anything we can do to minimize that impact? I know fecal transplants are great when you have an issue there, but is there like a saliva transplant or how can we improve the outlook uh, because it takes weeks, months, some years. Some, some of the species never recover from a dose of antibiotics, but could you talk to us directly about about the effect of antibiotics on the microbiome? Yes, that's a good question. The, the first dose of antibiotics alters your microbiome permanently and irrecoverably because it will kill things that you won't get back. It's so true. However, that said, um, you can still maintain a strong, healthy microbiome, even after it's been altered, because other things will alter it too, including foods, stresses, you know, malnutrition, excess nutrition, all kinds of things will. But antibiotics are especially devastating because they're designed to interfere with the growth of bacteria because almost all of them are derived from funguses and funguses inhibit bacteria so they can eat the organism that the bacteria are trying to eat. So the things you can do, um, well, first of all, um, don't take antibiotics. Probably 50% of all prescriptions are unnecessary. If you think about the things that people get antibiotics for, an upper respiratory infection. You know, if you stay at home, you're going to um, cure your cold in three weeks. But if you go to the doctor, you'll definitely have a cure in 21 days. The... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so even even with the antibiotics. So why take an antibiotic for a viral infection? You don't. Uh, sinusitis, another big one. So your snot turns a little colored a week into the cold. Clinical research has shown that human adults who don't have fever, shortness of breath, you know, very sick symptoms, they're just having a snodgy nose, that goes away in three weeks. Human sinusitis resolves itself. You don't need antibiotics despite what your ENT doctor wants to throw at you. So if you do a nasal douche, if you get a neti pot or a Neil Med squirt bottle and you mix that up with the baking soda and salt water, you want to crush a clove of garlic into that water. Let it uh, first crush the clove, let it sit five minutes and let it activate the allium in the garlic, which is the antibiotic. Mix that with your uh, nasal douche solution, strain it so you don't get chunks of garlic in your nose and then use that. I have watched uh, purulent yellow green snot go to clear in a day 
using that. You don't need to take antibiotics 90% of the time for things like that. So if we can avoid them, you're in much better place. Then if you have to take them, if it's a serious infection, then take a good probiotic. And the ones that I use have many strains that are actually proven to be antibiotic resistant. So the lactobacillus and the bifidobacteria make it through the insults of this antibiotic attack and you can populate and keep your microbiome going. Another thing that helps is a nutritional yeast called saccharomycin. Saccharomycin or saccharomyces is actually a, a, a beneficial nutritional yeast. It's kind of like bread yeast and it will fight the antibiotic associated diarrhea from Clostridium difficile, the C. diff bad infection. It also prevent overgrowth of candida, the yeast that comes when you're on those because it'll compete with the other yeast and it won't colonize you and it's not a pathogen. So you can do some really smart things. You could also do like um, Larry did and get some good uh, um, uh, locally fermented sauerkraut, some uh, uh, fresh yogurt that you ferment yourself, all kinds of good things like that. How does that help? Beautiful. Thank you so much, Doctor. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. All righty. Let's go on off to Robin. She's always got something good for us. Good morning, Robin. <laughs> Hi. Good morning. Good morning, Dr. Harvey. Good day. Hi. How are you? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Something came up a little while ago, and it ties in with the antibiotic, which what kind of the discussion that I'm, I'm just listening to, and that is, my sweetie went to get his teeth cleaned, and they said, anything different happened since we last saw you? He said, yeah, well, I broke my leg, and, and so forth. And they said, well, you need to be on antibiotics before you have your teeth cleaned. And they gave him a, a prescription for antibiotics, and they said, you'll have to take these for the rest of your life before the well, dentist would see him. He had to do this. And I, I, this is new to me. I'm wondering what your take on this is or if you've heard of it. and. It's so, kind of weird. Yeah, a question. Um, did your sweetie have a uh, an artificial uh, prosthesis placed? Yes, he actually broke his hip and had it replaced, yes. Okay, so what the American Orthopedic Association and the American Dental Association say, and I wish your uh, sweetie's dentist would actually read the literature because both of those societies have stated that lifelong use of antibiotics after a prosthesis is placed is not necessary. And in fact, um, they state from both societies that two years is long enough because by that point, the joint prosthesis is well healed and it is covered with the normal internal skin that the body creates, a layer of cells that will prevent the influx of bacteria into the joint, into the uh, bone where the joint uh, prosthesis is placed. And so there is no reason to take it beyond two years, but it does make sense if the procedure that's being done will cause bleeding. So a deep cleaning would potentially seed the body with some of the oral microbiome, which isn't wanted inside of a hip joint. And so for two years, it makes sense to pre-medicate. Probably one dose of amoxicillin is enough, is generally the uh, uh, standard. But um, yes, it doesn't need to be done for the whole life and shouldn't be. So would you recommend that he take this, it was amoxicillin, take a dose of that? Because he kind of recoiled from that. 
Well, he needs to understand that there is some evidence of risk of joint infection, and it would be really not a happy thing to have the joint replaced because of an infection, because they probably couldn't put a new joint in right away. So right. there will be a, uh, it, it's a real problem if you, if you get a prosthetic joint infection. So it might be a good idea to take a single dose of amoxicillin and then call it a day? It's probably a very good idea. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for clearing that up. We're, we've been so cautious about antibiotics and yes. and especially a, a dose is possible, but then when they said and you have to take it for the rest of your life, it just seemed a little over the top. Yeah, just it's easy to find it. I, I all I did was put on um, um, antibiotic use in dental procedures with prosthesis and. Um, it comes up and, and you can find articles. You could take the dentist and say, look, we're not going to be doing this. Well, actually, the other thing is you could take the prescription, you know, don't fill it after two years and <laughs> let him know, okay, I'm here. Um, but yeah. I think that would be unfair to the dentist. I would inform him that he's actually making recommendations that don't fit with the ADA and the AOA's recommendations. Okay. I will follow up on that and share that news with my dentist. Thank you so much. Um, You're welcome. I have Yes, and I, I have another question, too, if we have just one more minute. Sure. How do you, how do you, I mean, the fellow said he takes sauerkraut and yogurt and all this. How do you create a healthy a healthy microbiome? What are the, what's the protocol for that, Day, daily protocol? And maybe if you've already discussed it, I can listen to the archive. I wasn't at the beginning of the show. No, I, I didn't. I can actually answer that one now. And it's, it's pretty simple. What you need to do is basically the rules of, of, of functional medicine, clean living, the, the blue zone kind of rules. You need to drink clean water. You need to get good sleep because sleep will disrupt your microbiome. You need to eat a plant forward diet. So 80 to 90% plant, 10 to 20% animal. Lots of soluble fiber vegetables because soluble fiber supports a beautiful uh, microbiome and soluble fiber vegetables. You can easily research, but some of those really good things are beans and um, oats, um, jicama, uh, squashes. Uh, sweet potatoes, anything that you cut and there's a milky white stuff coming out or a, 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 a slick stuff like inside green onions. These are all soluble fibers. Okra is a wonderful source. Peaches, uh, mangoes, uh, berries. These are all soluble fiber foods. So if you can get seven servings of vegetables and two servings of fiber fruit every day, you're really on your way to a happy biome. And another thing you want to do is meditate for 15 minutes every day because Stress will disrupt your microbiome. So all these things are microbiome builders. Plus, you can take a good quality uh, probiotic or your naturally fermented sauerkraut and yogurt. All right. Would would this would the good quality probiotic kind of equate to sauerkraut that I'm not really fond of? Yes, actually, it will. And you want to get a broad-based one that has license plates after the name. So if it says lactobacillus acidophilus, you want to see something in parentheses afterwards that says like LA114 or it's bifidobacter uh, BI01 or something like that. So you know that the genetics are true. Okay, I take it. The product is called NutriWest, and it's, it's a pro, uh, probiotic. It seems to have a so, lot of different strains in it, and a lot so of so after high. after the after the strain name, if it doesn't have an alpha numeric numeric designator, you don't know for sure that's what's in there. Okay, I believe it does, but I'll check the bottle. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Okay. Bye bye. 
Bye-bye. Thank you, Robin. I do have Nicholas on the line, and um, I just want to remind folks, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey, and Greg's taking your call, so give us a jingle at 813-239-9663, and continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org. Let's go to Nicholas. Good morning. Nicholas? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, Hi there. Mr. Harvey, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Mr. Harvey. Oh, I'm hanging in there. Um, what did I... I'm a 36-year-old. I'm a thir- well, that just give you a little background. I'm a 36-year-old. Uh, <laughs> had a hip replaced, a knee replaced. I've had a bunch of other issues. I had Crohn's when I was young. Crohn's? But, uh, okay. Yeah, and I was wondering uh, about, uh, hold on a sec, sorry, me and my dad are setting us her up. Oh. No. Oh, there we go, sorry about that. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, Graves' disease, they were talking about it, and... Uh, I've never heard about it, but my doctor said that uh, we're going to do more testing about it because they think that's maybe what I have now. Hmm. So, so when one person gets when a person gets one autoimmune disease like Crohn's, they're prone to others because the system is set up for autoimmune disease and the. Um, circumstances that created the first autoimmune disease, unless they have been addressed, would continue to create more autoimmune disease. So one of the keys when it comes to Crohn's disease is that food changes the gut microbiome, resulting in autoimmune disease. So have your doctors ever told you about a an autoimmune diet to stop your Crohn's disease? Yeah, I went on a special diet for years uh, mm-hmm. when I was younger to help mm-hmm. with the Crohn's and once I got on the diet, I never had really any issues. Okay. Um, so are you still on that diet? Uh, yeah, roughly. I've okay. modified it over the years, but yeah, that's what... Uh, he just Some of the things to little. definitively avoid when you have them is gluten. Do you eat gluten? Yes, I do eat gluten. Yeah, so you need to eliminate gluten. I would look at online at two different diets. One is more restrictive than the other. AIP, the autoimmune protocol from Amy Myers, great protocol. Um, it eliminates everything that could potentially cause you some autoimmunity. You eat greens and leans, organ meats and things like that. There's no dairy, there's no eggs, there's no beans, um, there's no grains and so, uh, and no processed foods. And if you, and there's also no seeds and nuts, which makes it even more difficult. But the Walls protocol, W A H L S apostrophe, Terry Walls created this one. She adds nuts and seeds back in, not a lot of them, about a quarter cup a day for the uh, calories and protein. But um, the, the key is you, you need to change you because you're creating new problems. And uh, gluten is one of the biggest triggers for these problems. Okay. Yeah, that's something I wish the doctor would have told me. (laughs) Yeah, but they don't think about it because they're doing illness medicine, not functional medicine. Functional doctors think about how we can improve your function, whereas illness doctors look at a label and give you a pill to squash the label. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, so. 
Have Thank a great. Thank you very much, sir. That, yep. That's uh, <laughs> some good information. Take a new look at it. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye bye. So I have an interesting email. Um, it's not really off topic, but uh, the caller thinks so. He had COVID. He's had it now symptoms for, sounds like three to four weeks. And uh, he's still having ear and sinus pressure. Um, can't get it cleared out. He's tried some saline sprays and over-the-counter medicines, but he wants to get his sinuses cleared out so he can smell and taste again. Well, that's not the issue. Smell and taste is actually nerve damage. And so we have an example here of what's turning into a long COVID syndrome. Three weeks is, is kind of okay for acute, but you're going to four or five and you start extending it. Uh, this apparently happened um, before the hurricane. So yeah, we have an extended problem here. And um, so we need to work on the inflammation. And if um, rather than going into significant detail, FLCCC, F as in Frank or Fred, L as in legal, CCC um, as in COVID, COVID, COVID. Look at this website, FLCCC. Look for the iRecover protocol. Um, the iRecover protocol has lots of supplements in there that are foundational for changing the inflammation because inflammation is damaging the nerves and causing this, the problem to persist. Um, and then you might want to find a doctor who deals with the FLCCC protocol and actually use some of the medications because that would be useful. Also, we have seen people in my practice turn around the long COVID doing these practices. And so actually getting a good bifidobacterium probiotic is a good way to begin the process of helping because it seems that these do help to do it. So I think we have more callers. More callers, goodness gracious, my board's lit on up like young lovers' eyes. So let's go to Susan. Good morning, Susan. Uh, hi. Hi, Dr. Harvey. Um, Hello. I love your show. Thank you. Um, I'm 70, you're welcome. I'm 73 years old. I've had MS for about 22 years. Yes. Not on an MS um, drug. I oh, got that probably about 11 years ago. And I think I'm pretty healthy. Mm -hmm. um, I have, I'm small and I have developed osteoporosis over the years yes. and um, I wanted to treat that by taking uh, natural supplements, which I was taking uh, cal a, a good source of calcium, MK7 and yes. uh, Biosil. And mm -hmm. then good, good. I was surprised when I had um, my two-year DEXA this year, my rheumatoidologist um, uh, through my rheumatoidologist, and I mm -hmm. had um, I had lost like two digits of wow. um, of um, bone density. So now um, I really ha it has my attention. She wants to put me on uh, Timolus or Fateo, and mm -hmm. um, I would rather not. But through a uh, the blood panel, which was normal. The mm -hmm. urine test indicated that my body is not absorbing calcium. So I want to find out why my body's not doing that. I would rather treat the source. So yeah. You so have, have you? Did you get a good? Did you get a good vitamin D level? Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, I have. Uh, yeah. Um, when I have a blood panel, I have, uh, it's, it's normal. I have good uh, calcium and vitamin D levels. Okay. What's your vitamin D level? I, I don't know right now without digging. So vitamin D, vitamin D should be well over 50 for 
creating good bone health. You may have problems with the vitamin D receptor, which would also um, inhibit some calcium absorption. Um, but what I see is really one of the biggest problems for um, bone density, <clears throat> especially as we age and especially with inflammatory conditions is protein. Protein is the key. And so the question is, are you getting um, uh, half of your body weight in pounds in grams of protein a day? So if you weigh 120 pounds, you should get 60 grams of protein to get your bones back. Do you have any idea? No, no, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm actually, I, I thought I ate well, and um, I <clears throat> don't know if I get enough protein because I've heard um, uh, it had to do with the environment that if you get one good serving of protein a day, that's good. So well, it is I good, but it's not necessarily enough. enough to maintain your bone health. You need to get, um, in terms of um, total um grams, you need to get half your body weight if you have osteoporosis, maybe even a bit more than half your body weight in pounds in grams of protein a day. And you can check that by going to an online macro calorie counter. I know that, um, uh, oh, what's the name of it? Um, MyCalorieCounter.com. I think they charge for that when they used to be free. Uh, somebody bought it and now they charge for it. But there's other places where you can get that. Um, and um, you could use also nutritionists or health coaches to help you um, calculate out the amount you need and the amount you get. So you can assay that. You need to get that protein. And the other thing is um, lab tests that help you find out whether or not you're actually helping your bones. Um, N-telopeptide, that's N-telopeptide, otherwise known as the NTX test. That's a urine test that tells you if you're actually losing bone collagen. And then there's another one called the PINP, which is the pro-collagen peptide. That one shows if you're making collagen for your bones. If, if the PINP is down and the NTX is up, you're, you're not making bone and you're losing it. And so you would have a definitive uh, way of monitoring whether or not you're actually impacting this with food, nutrition, supplements, etc. And I would want my bone metabolism to be good before I started medication. So those All are some right. things you could do. All right. Well, you've given me a lot of uh, information and I won't take your time by asking you to repeat it. Who might have the, the bone um, test or the Quest, test? Quest does both of them. I'm so sorry? you can just ask your Quest Laboratories. Just ask your rheumatologist to order those two tests for you so you can assay it or you can go to any lab test now and order your own. All right. Can you give me the name of those tests again? NTX and PINP. PINP. And that is going to tell me if, I, um, if I'm making bone collagen. Yeah, and the NTX tells you if you're losing it. Okay. All right. Um, thank you so much. Um, You're very welcome. Yeah. All right. I appreciate that. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Susan. And Lynn, let's go and see what she has to say. What have you got, Lynn? Hi, Dr. Harvey. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Um, I know we're talking about autoimmune disease. And we're talking about the microbiome. Okay. Um, is that a, a connection with autoimmune? My question is, and if this doesn't pertain to today's subject, um, I can address it at a different time. Okay. I'm curious about oral lichen planus. Is there any connection with what you're talking about that deals with that disease? So lichen planus is another uh, uh, autoimmune disease, and it's uh, evidence of inflammation that is affecting the mucosal membrane in your mouth. And so, yes, it is um, uh, triggered by some of the same things. So I would 
look at a microbiome. I would look at the foods you're taking that might trigger uh, more autoimmunity. And um, yeah, those would be uh, good ways to evaluate the lichen planus. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's autoimmune and it may respond to microbiome changes. Okay. And will like allergy testing and, and such help me determine what might be um, causing these, the, this irritation? It might. Um, uh, I would look more at um, uh, a lymphocyte response test like the ELISA ACT because this is more likely a lymphocyte infiltration autoimmunity, which would be related to that specific trigger. So ELISA ACT is the only test I would order for you when it comes to food sensitivity because the other tests that look at IgG uh, are not going to look at what we need here. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right, we've got Catherine who's been waiting quite patiently. Hello there, Catherine. Good morning, Catherine. Maybe she wasn't waiting. She waited long enough. All right, let's go see what Doug has to say. Good morning, Doug. Hello. Hello, Doug. Yes, hello. What do you have today? I was uh, listening to you, and I don't know if what you're initially talking about or the subject matter is anywhere in relation to what I need to find out. But I have had trouble for years now with these attacks. I call them attacks. In the morning, usually, I have a really hard time. It's like razor blades on a tennis ball. I scream in pain. It's it's very, very painful. I've been treated twice for Barrett. They told me that wasn't the problem. I have two hernias. I have a specialist that said the hernias that I have, one is from Barrett's. That comes with Barrett's automatically. It's too small to even think about doing anything about it, and that's probably not the problem. So I was just thinking to ask, do you think that it's possible that I could have some kind of a food allergy problem? going on with this is just debilitating i mean it's yeah. it's um so it's possible you do if it happens every day do you eat the same food every day uh no not the same food every day but that's the other thing some sometimes i eat you know let's say chicken fingers or whatever and then it, it seems to kill me and then the next time i eat it it doesn't it's well very, that could is it is it the same place you're getting the chicken fingers or different places same place Hmm. So maybe they don't change the oil in their fryer and you get rancid oil one time and not rancid oil another time, or maybe lots of different things. So you have a problem that's ongoing, not addressed by what you're currently doing, and you need a better evaluation. So I would go to the Institute for Functional Medicine.org or IFM.org and search for a functional medicine doctor because I think you should really consult with somebody because a problem like this that's not getting any better and continues excruciating on a daily basis needs a better evaluation than you have been given. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that before and I've seen so many doctors and I've yeah, which is the which functional medicine doctor have you seen I okay that's yeah nobody wow I don't even know the name I've never even heard of it before what I only got the first word was it functional what go to go to I F as in Fred M as in Mary dot org dot org okay 
That's Institute for Functional Medicine, IFM.org. You will find a doctor search there. You can put it on for 10 miles, 25 miles, 50 miles, whatever, and go searching for a doctor in your area that you can see. Beautiful. I appreciate it. I'll, um, I, I would love to call back. They'll give you an outcome. I, I, I Please do. <laughs> yeah, Glad to. Ever, ever said anything about anything to do with functionality or nothing like that. So That's because they don't look at that. They only look at illness, they name the illness, they blame the illness, and they tame the illness with a pill or a surgery. Pretty limited scope yeah. of uh, activities, I think. Yeah, see, and that's the other thing. I don't want the medication. They put me on Librex and pain medication. I just, I don't, I don't want that. And I'm starving all the time, afraid to eat because it hurts so damn bad. I oh, got to get rid of the fear, man. Go to see somebody. Get some help from a real doctor. Okay, I'm going to look one up from this web. Thank you so much, sir. I greatly appreciate it. Have You're a great so welcome. Day. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're coming on down to the last five or six minutes, and I've got Pete here. Good morning, Pete. Hi, Doc. Good Hi, Pete. You. Hey, I was uh, looking around the Internet, and uh, I saw something uh, that says, oh, if um, chewing this soft mineral will improve your overall dental health and regrow uh, your teeth. And it was like, uh, oh, that, sounds, that sounds ridiculous. So it is. Up. So uh, there were some studies at the bottom of this um, advertisement, basically, is what it turned out to be. And the, the studies that they <clears throat> um, you know, had at the bottom, uh, they, they spoke about lactobacillus and bifido, uh, uh, bifidobactus and Routeri, R-R-E-U-T-E-R-I. And um, so I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, if they did these studies and they were, you know, they looked like valid studies from valid universities, you know, is there any, is there any truth in any of this? Um, well, d d based on what you've told me, it sounds like they may have backed up a claim with some study. I don't know whether they actually studied the thing that they're actually providing to you or what the study actually said. So, yeah, there, you know, there's, you can find um, things to back up a lot of things that you might do. And so I'm really not certain, um, you know, what, what it is, how it works, and whether it does what they say it does. Yeah, you know, it, it said it, um, it, it stops bad breath, it actually regrows some of your teeth and gums and gives you a healthy uh, biome, um, you know, oral biome. And, okay. Uh, it's like, so, yeah, okay, you know. I sounds like a good, sounds like a good hype sales marketing piece. Love <laughs> to read the, the research at some point, but um, you know, if you consult with a good nutritionist or functional medicine doctor, you can get advice on what's going to help these problems. I, I don't, you know, really buy into a lot of stuff off the internet because I have no idea what it is that they're trying to sell. I know. And then, uh, you know, you look it up and it's like a bottle of 30 pills is like $49. And it's, it's probably just like, you know, bifidobacteria. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay, wait a minute. But exactly. uh, I, I, I just thought, you know, I, I thought for years, it's like, well, how come dentistry and, and medicine in general has not figured out how to stop dental decay? 
Well, we have like actually, amazing. we totally have. Um, and it involves good oral hygiene and, and uh, good diet. And so, yeah, yeah, we know how to stop dental decay. Just do the right things. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's acid that eats your teeth. And I, yeah. uh, well, isn't there a way to neutralize that acid on a you know, regular basis? But then it would change everything. Well, you clean your teeth so you don't provide the bacteria, the food they need to make the acid. And then, you're, and then you have your saliva always putting out bicarb in the saliva. So you always have an alkaline environment unless you screw it up. Right. So it's yeah. pretty easy. Yeah, I don't have any significant problems there, but Good. You know, I, I'm just looking. Uh, and one thing that I did do was I cut out fluoride almost entirely. You know, well, in, in, in the, the west coast of Florida, Sarasota, Manatee, there's enough fluoride in the water. You don't need to actually, especially the, the groundwater, uh, the, the subsurface water. Um, it's got four parts per million, uh, and that's uh, above the 1.8 parts per million that people fluoridate water with. So you don't need to take any in our area. But thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm going to um, answer an email here that I think is really interesting. Yeah. Thanks for your um, care. You're so welcome. Um, Jack asked me um, about a supplement that was uh, sent to him by his uh, um, brother. And they want to know if I could comment on the safety of it. Well, the best part is I clicked on the, the well, I went and searched and found it. And all I can find is a sales site. Hi, my name is Jim. Blah, 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 blah. 100% effective. There's no, no actually evidence on here. What's in it? Why you, why you would take it or what it does? Just like on and on and on marketing. So I wouldn't buy that one personally. <laughs> Any more callers, Bill? Um, we're, we're getting down to about the last couple of minutes. If you've got some emails you want to hit. I'll do that. Yeah. So let's see. Um, Charles says, my wife swears ever since we've lived on home in Wellwater and Parish, her gut has experienced a lot of gas. Um, by the way, she's a near vegan. Well, there's two things going on here. Vegan diet causes gas in many, many people. And there could be sulfur and stuff in that um, uh, water that does make you react. Hard to tell, but um, yes. So um, thank you all. This has been a really good show. Lots of engagement. And... Um, uh, I would like some more engagement. So please send some emails. Um, go to uh, 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 info at Functional Medicine Florida and send us emails there or to DJ at WNF and give me some more uh, ideas. What do you want to hear about in the future shows? I'm going to leave next week open for the moment while I'm looking for some uh, in interviews. I did all that without having my mic on. I want to thank you, Dr. Harvey, and thank Greg and all of our callers. It's been a great show, and everybody, stay healthy. Have a spooky Halloween. That was spooky, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. The ghost in the machine. <laughs> all righty. Have, have a great week. Thank you, too, now. You have been listening to the Health Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Coming on up is five minutes of NPR news and then get ready for the Sustainable Living Show hosted by the Cracker Jack team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. Their guests today are Bill Kern, an associate professor with the Department of Entomology and Nematology at the University of Florida, and Ann Carson, the founder and CEO of Jiminy, a sustainable pet food and treat company that uses crickets as protein. So until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa.